And here we go, everybody. It is another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Monday, October 16, 2017. Big show to get to. A lot of football, a lot of baseball. Football, of course, pro and college. And we will uh, talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs. Some interesting developments there. But we start with week six in the NFL. And... Uh, we'll start with my Lions, but really, the, the as as I look now, uh, we've got one more game to go. Monday night game between the Titans and the Colts, uh, as unwatchable a game as there is. And it's a good thing the Yankees are playing the Astros tonight. Um, otherwise, uh, at least there's something else to watch sports-wise, uh, because the Titans and the Colts uh, certainly excites no one outside of uh, the fan bases for both of those teams. But the overall, the overarching theme here is that um, the NFL is not very good right now. Now, one can chalk that up to uh, major injuries uh, to a lot of key players uh, for some of the you know high-profile teams, right? Beckham out for the Giants, JJ Watt out for Houston. Now Aaron Rodgers is out for uh, Green Bay. Um, David Johnson went down early for Arizona. So, yes, there are a lot of stars that are out. But um, the quality of play, frankly, is is just not very good. Um, which will is a nice segue into that Lions game yesterday where uh, the teams combined for 90 points, 52 for the Saints, 38 for the Lions. Game that featured two defensive linemen, one for each team scoring a touchdown on interceptions. Never seen that before. Um, and both from about one yard out, by the way. Um, a punt return for a touchdown, but then that same punt returner, Jamal Agnew, for the Lions, uh, dooming the Lions after they'd cut inexplicably a 45-10 to deficit to 45-38 with plenty of time left, about six minutes to go, forced the Saints punt, and he muffs a punt at the 10-yard line, got caught in between, didn't know if he should catch it, if she let it go. Uh, he later said after the game, in that instance, if you're unsure, let it go. Well, he didn't let it go, unfortunately. Muffed the ball, went into the end zone, had to go retrieve it, barely got out of the end zone, got crushed at the one-yard line, which then set up the tip pass by Cameron Jordan for the pick six, sealed the Lions' fate and the game for the Saints. Um, it was just a crazy game. A game that saw Matthew Stafford have 12 passes tipped, 12 uh, the Lions forced three turnovers. The Saints hadn't had a turnover, I think, all year. Lions got three yesterday. Still didn't matter. Um, just a wretched, wretched performance by the Lions yesterday in all three phases. And, yes, I understand Agnew had another good punt return earlier in the game, and obviously the punt return for the touchdown brought a little life back to the Lions. That made the score 45-31. Um, but he also idiotically taunted uh, a Saints player from about the five-yard line in when he scored the touchdown doing the wave, you know, sort of waving bye-bye at him, um, you know, which, listen, youthful exuberance you want to chalk it up to, whatever. Um, and he seems, look, he, he owned it. He didn't make excuses. He totally owned it. I watched his post-game interview. He owned both plays. And listen, you yeah, can't put the game on him. I mean, the Lions did a million things wrong. And that penalty didn't really end up hurting them that much. But what it speaks to is a larger issue that this is a team that is not mentally locked in. Yes, you give them points 
for not folding down 45-10. Now, part of that is certainly the Saints took their foot, foot off the gas with a 35-point lead, which is understandable. But I will say one thing about the Lions, and then that is that they do not fold their tents. They do keep coming at you. And while Stafford deserves a whole lot of credit for that, obviously the the eight wins, uh, eight come from behind fourth quarter wins last year out of their nine games, uh, you know, the rest of the team has to make plays too. And so, to their credit, they hang in there. But, you know, when you got a guy doing things like that, when, you know, you're basically getting it handed to you all day, it's not a good look. Not a good look. So, listen, the same, the same things I talked about last week, the same, the same problems persist with the Lions. And that is their offense stinks. And you're going to say, well, Jamal, they scored, you know, 38 points. Well, they got... Two, they got a touchdown on special teams, and they got a touchdown on defense. And uh, they also gave the Saints 14 points. Stafford fumbled on the first series of the game. Um, also, by the way, because Agnew made a bad decision to field a punt and gave the Lions bad field position backed up at their five. And Stafford held the ball for about an hour in the end zone. A rookie mistake. It's a mistake he cannot make at this stage in his career. Held the ball. I mean, he's got to know. You're in the end zone. One, two, three. You know, it's not there. Get, roll out. Get rid of it. Ball gone. You cannot hold the ball that long. Takes a sack. And now, by the way, he's turned into John Kitna, where every time he takes a sack, it's a fumble now, apparently. Every time. Six fumbles in the last three games. He's Kurt Warner on the Giants. Listen, I love Matt Stafford. That's my guy. He stinks right now. Stinks. And it's not all his fault. A large part of it is the offensive line is terrible. Terrible. A large part of it is the scheme itself, which we talked about last week, is a horror show. Is vanilla and unimaginative... Boring, predictable, whatever adjective you want to use. It's a joke. The Lions did not one thing different this week than they did last week. It's the same garbage that this Jim Bob Cooter. Ooh, he's got such a cool name. It's so funny. He stinks. I mean, listen, you could try to just beat guys... You can have a simple offense if you have a, be, athletes that are just better than the other teams. You know, the Patriots don't run a lot of trick plays. They just line up and they just go beat you. They have some deception to their stuff. They, rub a lot, they run a lot of rub routes and they get their little short midget receivers open all the time. I get that. And they also have Brady. But we talked about the creativity of the Chiefs offense last week. The Lions have none of that. There's zero creativity. And again, you can get away with that when you have personnel that's just better. When the Lions had Calvin Johnson, you could get away with just saying, hey, Calvin, go run a seven route or a nine route, which is basically a bomb, and just go up against three guys and go up and get the ball. Lions don't have anybody that can do that. I mean, part of the problem on that sack fumble 
for a touchdown yesterday is Stafford can't find anybody open because the Lions receivers can't beat anybody. They can't beat press man. The Lions receivers are bad. I understand Marvin Jones made a wonderful one-handed catch yesterday. Did you see that the guy was draped all over him? He can't beat anybody. He can't gain any separation. Golden Tate can occasionally. He had a he was having yet another one of his big games against the Saints. For some reason, he kills the Saints. But your whole offense can't be. Let's get the ball to Golden Tate on an eight-yard quick out and hope he breaks three tackles and runs another 40 yards for a touchdown, which is how he scored his touchdown yesterday. That can't be your whole offense. That can be a component of your offense, and certainly it's a good one, but it can't be your whole offense. Number 85, the tight end, he who shall not be named, by the way, does nothing. One catch, nine yards yesterday, complete waste of time. The matchup nightmare matches up against no one and beats no one. He's useless. The league has figured out Theo Riddick out of the backfield. Figured him out. Amir Abdullah is rendered useless because the Lions can't run the ball. Chris Spielman pointed out yesterday, by the way, Chris Spielman does a great job as an analyst. And I'm not even saying that because I'm a huge Chris Spielman fan. Obviously, one of my favorite Lions of all time. He's just really good. And he noticed, and he kept pointing that, pointing this out yesterday. First of all, the Lions had to run shotgun in every play because Stafford was banged up, and they didn't want to have him under, under center. Okay, that's fine. I prefer when he's in the shotgun anyway. But Spielman right, rightfully pointed out, every time Abdullah or whomever the other running back was, was behind Stafford in the shotgun, it was most likely a run. And then when he was offset either to his left or his right, it was a pass. You think the Saints knew that? And in fact... All the 12 batted passes, the Saints, I read their stuff post-game, what their players and what their head coach Sean Payton said, and is yeah, we knew the Lions were going to try to have a lot of quick, short passes, so we played that on purpose. Great job, Lions coaching staff, way to adjust. And look, part of that's on Stafford, no, no doubt. But my point is, is that Jim Bob Cooter and the Lions offense and their play calling and their scheme is not putting Stafford in a position to succeed. And I understand all these things go hand in hand. It's a bad offensive line, which doesn't create any running lanes. I mean, there was a play yesterday when the Lions were down like 21 points and the Saints are playing their safety 15 yards deep. That's an automatic run. That should be a minimum five-yard gain. And the Lions get stopped for a four-yard loss because they're just getting whipped up front. Now, Part of it is they were down two starting offensive linemen yesterday because T.J. Lang came up with some mysterious back injury two hours before the game. So the lines were hamstrung there. And obviously they're still missing Taylor Decker. They're really good left tackle. And Greg Robinson, if you believe pro football focus, which some of that stuff I believe, some of it I take with a grain of salt, but they have him rated as the 69th out of 71 offensive tackles in the league. The Lions were playing with third-string guys yesterday. So, it all works together or doesn't work together in this case. You've got receivers who can't beat hard, tough press man coverage. You get nothing from your tight end in the passing game. Or your, your, your supposed pass-catching tight end. 
Darren Fells had a touchdown again yesterday, the supposed blocking tight end. Um, you get no deep shots. Every yard you get is like pulling teeth. You get nothing in the running game. And yes, Stafford had a terrible game yesterday. One interception bounced off Theo Riddick's uh, shoulder pads. Uh, one of Stafford's fumbles is because Riddick ran the wrong route on the blitz, and Stafford had to hold the ball. He was expecting Riddick to run a quick out into the flat. Instead, Riddick turned it inside, and Stafford didn't. It wasn't so Riddick wasn't where Stafford thought he was going to be, so he held the ball for an extra beat, and the linebacker came in a blitz and ripped the ball out of Stafford's hands. The first fumble on Stafford, 100%. The interception on Lattimore, horrible throw. But, of course, again, it's another one of these three-yard bubble screens that are getting the line's receivers killed because the other team knows it's coming a mile away. So the lines are a complete mess right now. I know I've been saying all summer and early in the fall, I'll take three and three at the bye which is what the lines are now. And boy, could they use a bye week. Golden Tate's hurt. He could miss several weeks, supposedly. Their offensive line's banged up. Stafford's banged up. Glover Quinn went out with a concussion yesterday, the leader of their secondary. So, yeah, the lines have a ton of issues. The bye week couldn't come at a better time right now. And I understand it, the, the natural inclination is, you know, when your team wins one week, you feel great and you don't think they're ever going to lose again. And then when they lose, you feel terrible and you don't think they're ever going to win again. But that's my big issue is I don't see how this offense gets any better unless Jim Bob Cooter dramatically tries to change some things. And he appears to be very stubborn. And he thinks that it's probably just execution. And if we just keep throwing two and three yard passes, eventually it's going to work. Well, it's not working. It's six games in, your offense stinks. With one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Again, Golden Tate is a weapon. He's not Calvin Johnson. He's not Antonio Brown. But he's a weapon. You've got to get him the ball in space on the move and preferably not one and two yards past the line of scrimmage all the damn time. Now, I don't know what to do about Marvin Jones. He's useless. I know he statistically had a good game yesterday. He's useless. The guy, when he does catch a pass, he's so tightly covered, it's a miracle. Stafford has to fit it in into the tightest of windows. And again, he tries hard. He's out there giving full effort. He's just not that good. And now I, I, we're going to have to put it all on a third-round pick at a Northern Illinois, Kenny Galladay, and hope he comes back from this mysterious hamstring injury? Lines are a mess. And on the defensive side of the ball, while they're, at times their defense looks good and makes plays, boy, there are times they look horrendous like yesterday as they're letting the pedestrian Mark Ingram run quick pitches for 30 and 40 yards a clip. You know, Mark Ingram's a nice between-the-tackles runner. The lines made him look like Tony Dorsett in his prime yesterday. It was a joke. 
and they had very little pass rush. Ziggy Ansah, you wouldn't even know he's on the team. Other than the game against the Giants on Monday night, against a bad Eric Flowers, you wouldn't even know Ziggy Ansah is on the team. He does nothing. Now, I think that's probably because he's trying to gut it out and playing on a bad knee, so I don't want to kill him because he's giving, he's trying, but the, the, the reality is that he gives, he's done nothing. In the other five games, he's done nothing from a pass rush standpoint, and he's supposed to be their stud pass rusher. So, lines are a mess, and the NFL overall is a mess. And that, you know, if you want to look for a silver lining as a Lions fan, the good news, and I hate to say this because you don't ever want to see somebody get hurt, but Aaron Rodgers' injury yesterday is a big deal. Now, somehow, and by the way, this just for me does not pass the smell test. So he's got a broken collarbone on his throwing shoulder, right? On his right collarbone is broken, yet somehow the Packers are still not saying that he's going to be out for the rest of the year? How does that work? If it's broken, there's no way he comes back before the end of the year. They didn't say it's a, a hairline fracture or anything like that. They said it's broken and he's having surgery. But yet they will not commit to the fact that he's done for the year. I suspect he's done for the year. Now, a lot of people, the the the... The inclination is to write the Packers off. You do that at your own peril. Watch this Brett Hundley be good for them, the backup quarterback, the kid out of UCLA. Watch. Now, I personally, I mean, if he's not going to be good, I then obviously they have no shot. And I honestly, after watching the first half of that Dallas game last week, I mean, the Packers looked like a, two, a two-win team without Rodgers. So it'll be interesting to see if the league lets their crappy offensive line get away with the clutching and grabbing and the holding on every pass play for Brett Hundley that they do for Aaron Rodgers. That'll be interesting. But that Packers defense is lousy. Lousy. I know Nick Perry's a good pass rusher. Clay Matthews makes some plays here and there. Mike Daniels is a great run stuffer. Other than that, they have nothing. That defense stinks. Their secondary stinks. Lions play them in two weeks in Green Bay, by the way. Sunday night. Sorry, in three weeks. Two weeks is the Steelers because their Lions are off this week Sunday. They have the Steelers at home next Sunday night. Again, natural inclination is Lions have no shot, especially after the Steelers did what the Steelers do. Rallied the troops, showed up, went into Kansas City and won yesterday, although they got very lucky at the end of that game. We'll get to those games later. But the overall state of the NFL is it's wide open. There's no great teams. I mean, maybe Kansas City. I'm not going to jump. I'm not going to bail and jump ship on the Chiefs because they lost to the Steelers at home yesterday. Steelers needed that game way more in the worst way after being embarrassed by Jacksonville the week before, after losing to the Bears somehow. You know, the Patriots barely won against the Jets yesterday on a terrible call. The only thing surprising about that call is that wasn't the Lions. It wasn't made against the Lions. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, I mean, right now, through six weeks, I mean, the Eagles are 5-1. and one. They look like the, the cream of the crop in the NFC. I mean, the Rams, 4-2, and two, you're buying the Rams? I mean, they're, obviously, they're better than they've been. I'm not buying the Rams. They, they scored two fluke touchdowns against Jacksonville. So Jacksonville, one week you love them, one week you, you can't trust them. I mean, you can't trust Jacksonville. They're three and three. Texans are three and three. 
Winner of tonight's game between the Titans and the Colts will be tied for three three-way tie for first place in the AFC South. The other it girl, the Raiders, two and four. The other it girl in the NFC, Tampa Bay, two and three. They looked terrible yesterday. Falcons somehow managed to blow a seventeen point lead at home to the to the Dolphins yesterday. They're three and two. And by the way, the Falcons are three and two. They easily and probably should be one and four. Because they should have lost that game to the Lions and they should have lost to the Bears first week of the year. I mean, there's no great teams. Arizona's rallied the troops now. They're 3-3 three and three after a bad start. There's no great teams. So if you're a Lions fan, that's the good news. Is your division should be wide open. And if they can just get healthy on the offensive line, get Decker back, Probably won't be for the Steelers game, but maybe by the Packers game. I assume the thing with Lang isn't going to be a lingering issue, but it might be. It's a back. Those things are tricky. But if they can get better offensive line play, which starts with getting healthy, and they just mix some things up, get a little creative on offense... I mean, where's the screens to Amir Abdullah? How about you let Amir Abdullah try to get him split out wide on a linebacker and let him run up a wheel route up the sideline? How about you maybe put him and Riddick in the game at the same time? And you keep Darren Fells in as your extra blocker. How about yesterday on third and one again after they got stoned and embarrassed last week trying to run Nick Ballore as the lead blocker? To Zach Zenner on a fourth and one, and they couldn't even get a yard. They tried it again yesterday and got stoned. Same formation, same play, same result. Nothing. I mean, how about you run that same formation, but maybe you do play action and you sneak Nick Ballore out into the flat or the tight end on the on the backside coming across on a delay on a drag? You mean like Carolina did to you three times last week to the tune of Ed Dixon having the game of his life? I mean, way to go to school, Lions coaching staff. But again, the good news is that there, there are no great teams in the NFL right now. And frankly, the product overall stinks. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. Here on another edition of Jamal About Sports Monday Football Show. Started out with Bruce Hordensby and the Reigns. That was from a Pops. And now we just came back from break with Goo Goo Muck by the Cramps. That is for my man, J.R. Justin Rubin. Uh, in any event, we're back. We're still talking NFL. So let's run down some of the games that happened yesterday. We'll start with the Jets and the Pats, which, you know, honestly, I made mention of it uh, last segment. I've never seen a more ridiculous... I mean, uh, listen, as a Lions fan, I've seen many ridiculous calls. We saw it at the Golden Tate game. We saw it at the Calvin Johnson game. All the plab chronicled them ad nauseum. I'm not going to get into it. 
What the, what the league did and the refs did to the Jets yesterday is criminal. It's ridiculous. For that play, let me, let me set up the play if you didn't see it. McCown throws a little short pass out in a flat to Austin Safarian Jenkins, a tight end for the Jets. He catches the ball. He turns it upfield. He crosses the pylon. Touchdown. It's called a touchdown on the field. Right? They reviewed it because all scoring plays are reviewed because this is now the NFL. Can you tell I'm a little feisty today, by the way? But this is the NFL, a league that is you cannot, they're trying to make perfect by reviewing everything, and they're just making it worse. They are diminishing the product immensely. So they were all scoring plays are reviewed. They look at it. He juggles the ball for a second. Now he's got possession. He, he loses control of it for a second, but then regains control as he goes over the goal line and hits the pylon, lands on his back, ball never touches the ground, and somehow that's ruled a touchback. And I don't want to hear that that's the rule, that if you don't have possession of it somehow as you go through the end zone, then that it is a touchback. What, what, so this, what, this is the tuck rule now? Because nobody ever heard of that rule before. We see guys that when they go in the end zone, they touch the pylon and lose control of the ball, but it's still considered a touchback. So I don't want to hear that nonsense from the NFL shills like Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football. It's ridiculous. And I don't even like the Jets. And I'm mad about this. Imagine if you're a Jets fan. It's absurd. And again, you can bet damn well bet that the situation's reversed if that's Gronkowski. There's no way they overturn that and say it's not a touchdown. No way. From what I can gather, the Jets played their asses off again yesterday. Now look, Brady got dumb lucky again. Threw a, an a ball that should have been easily intercepted by Buster Screen. He dropped it. Led to the Patriots scoring points. And look, I don't think the Jets are a very good team. I still think they're a, a 6-10 and 10 team. But good for them. They play hard every week. We talked about Pittsburgh, Kansas City. I mean, that game was 12-10 late. Third and two, Roethlisberger goes deep down the sideline for Antonio Brown. D-back for uh, the Chiefs. Reads it perfectly. Comes over. Jumps up. Ball hits him right in the hands for an easy interception. Chiefs get the ball back there with a chance to drive for a game-winning field goal or touchdown. And instead, the ball bounces off of his hands right to Antonio Brown, who takes it down the sidelines for a touchdown. Now, the Chiefs did come back and score after that and did have a chance late. Did get the ball back and had a chance late, and the Steelers' defense held. But that was a huge turning point in that game. But not a surprising outcome. Because that's what the Steelers do. They've got a pedigree. And again, when just when you're, you're ready to write the Steelers off, They'll show up with a game like yesterday. Chiefs were due for a bit of a stinker, which they had. Even though it was at home, which is a tough place to play. Arrowhead, one of the harder places to win on the, you know, as a road team. Of course, the Hayden Jinx in full effect. I praised Alex Smith last week, and he did not have a particularly good game yesterday. Missed a bunch of open receivers, ball behind guys, guys drop passes. It was just a sloppy effort from the Chiefs overall. Which, look, you're going to get those from time to time. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world. Chiefs are still a really good team. And 
you know, the, the thing that would concern me a little bit if I were a Steelers fan is so far they've had a propensity to play up and down to their competition. Green Bay, Minnesota, we talked about Rodgers getting hurt in that game. Um, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't uh, shut down the rest of the league. I mean, I mean, if, if Aaron Rodgers can't play, why even bother having a season? Listen, again, it's not my problem. I don't have a problem with Aaron Rodgers, the person or the player. It's just the way the league fawns over him and the media fawns over the guy. You would think they might as well just cancel the season now that Aaron Rodgers isn't there. And, and this dopey idea that let's get Tony Romo now out of the booth to go be the quarterback for the Packers because he's from Wisconsin. I mean, come on. Really? I mean, I love Tony Kornheiser, but I mean, come on, dude. You know, I watched him on PTI posit that idiotic idea. And, and other people. It's, it's not just him. Um, and I like Kornheiser. That's my guy. But uh, that's idiotic. Oakland, again, we mentioned them. Everybody's it girl. Well, Chargers are off the schneid. They got their first win against the Raiders yesterday in Oakland. Uh, Carr's first game back off an injury looked very, very rusty. Uh, Oakland looks to be a bit of a mess at 2-4. and four. Uh, Mentioned Atlanta, Miami. Miami had a 17-0 lead, managed to blow it to the Jake Cutler-led Dolphins. And then Matt Ryan had a chance to at least tie the game late, had the Falcons pretty much, if not in field goal range, on the edge of field goal range, and threw a crushing interception at the 10-yard line to end the game. So, again, Atlanta 3-2 and two easily could be 1-4. and four. And then Houston crushed Cleveland, no surprise there. Uh, how's the process working for you there in Cleveland? How's Paul DePodesta, Mr. Baseball Statistics Sabermetrician guy, working out? When you guys had no use for Deshaun Watson. No, you didn't need him. No, 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 no. I mean, they had the first and the 12th pick. They did the right thing by tra- drafting Miles Garrett, it would appear. He's played well. He, got a, he, got a, he, didn't, he missed the first few weeks with an injury, but when he's played, he's played well. The defensive end out of A&M. Then they're sitting there at 12. They could just sit there and take Deshaun Watson, your quarterback of the future. The Browns haven't had a quarterback since Bernie Kosar. But you get cute, and you trade him away, and then you draft that that hack, Deshaun Kaiser, in the second round, who already has been benched for Kevin Hogan, who at best is a backup quarterback in the NFL, at best. And then Deshaun Watson shreds you yesterday. Oh, and I believe... He might be leading the NFL in touchdown passes. And this is the guy who didn't start the season. Good job, Cleveland. It's a well-run team. Sashi Brown and Paul D. Podesta doing good work there. And I don't want to hear about Jabril Peppers either. Every highlight I see of Cleveland getting beat for a touchdown, it's number 33, or sorry, number 22 running over late. Day late and a dollar short. Yes, and Joku has made a couple of nice touchdown catches at tight end out of Miami. But they've got like four other tight ends that they. I mean, that team is an absolute joke. And again, I don't understand what the uh, aversion to Deshaun Watson was. Really, you don't want a really super athletic quarterback with a good arm 
who played on a team that lost one game in two years at the highest level, and Clemson, which is a football-crazed place, by the way. There's nothing else there. You go to Clemson on game day, about 10 miles outside of town, there are literally paw prints in orange on the roads leading up to the stadium. There's, they, Clemson football is everything in that town. Everything. They were in the national championship two, game, two, two years in a row. They beat Alabama and came within a hair's breadth of beating them twice. And this kid was a major reason. And yet, a bunch of NFL teams didn't like him? The Jets? Listen, I don't care how good Jamal Adams turns out to be. You don't take a safety when you're in desperate... I mean, the Jets, as we all know, haven't had a quarterback since Joe Namath. And you have a chance to draft a Sean Watson? Who seems like a transformational player? A guy's going to transform... Your team and your organization, and you don't take them? You take a safety? I mean, look, Jamal Adams is a nice player. It would appear he could be a nice player. I don't get it. I don't get it. And boy, is he proving a lot of people wrong right now. And then the Giants, a week late for me, went into Denver last night when nobody gave him a chance. And pretty much just put it on the Broncos last night. Now, a couple things. First of all, they ran the ball well, finally. They moved Pew out to right tackle. Um, Darkwa had a good game running the ball. Defense finally showed up. Got a pick six out of Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Pierre Paul was a bit of a terror. Their defense showed up. I mean, Eli didn't do much. Didn't need to. And Denver's got one of the better secondaries in the league, so not that surprising. And, you know, with the Giants down to fourth stringers, basically a receiver, guys off the street. But, and you could tell Denver, you know, and again, somewhat understandable. I mean, if you're a Denver fan, you're livid, right? That on a Sunday night game at your place, the old, the previously winless Giants came in and not only beat you, but they, they put it on you. I mean, that game was 20-3 to late in the fourth quarter. So, good for the Giants. I, I wish you guys would have done it the week before for the purposes of my knockout pool. But again, I mean, I heard, you know, oh, the Giants are one of the worst teams in the last 10 years. Uh, relax. They're not one of the worst teams in the last 10 years. They easily could be 3-2 and two right now, or 3-3. Three and three. They could have won the Eagles game, and they could have won the Chargers game, and they won yesterday. And I'm sorry, a team that still has Eli Manning as the quarterback and Jason Pierre-Paul and Jenkins and Snacks Harrison and Landon Collins on defense is not one of the worst teams in the league. Those guys are all difference makers at their respective positions. And this Evan Engram kid from Ole Miss is a player. They finally got themselves a pass-catching tight end. So, look, it looks like it's going to be a lost season for the Giants, but at least they showed a little pride and showed up last night on national TV and put a whooping on the Broncos. 
All right, we'll do a little college football. So the aforementioned Clemson Tigers, by the way, uh, lost inexplicably to Syracuse Friday night. Um, and I watched that whole game. I was with my buddy Rob. We were down in uh, Kiwa Island. Uh, the restaurant we were at slash bar had the game on, so we were watching the Yankees on one TV and watching that game on the other TV. Uh, Syracuse is flat out beat Clemson. Was that wasn't fluky? Didn't you know score on block punts or punt returns or pick sixes or a bunch of tricky trickeration or any of that? Syracuse is flat out beat Clemson. Just beat them. You know, and every time Clemson, you know, Syracuse got out to a good start. Clemson battled back. Every time they punched back, Syracuse punched them right back themselves. Dino Babers, former coach at Bowling Green, looks like he's got that program, Syracuse now, headed in the right direction. So it'll be interesting to see if this ends up biting Clemson when it comes time for the playoff and as, as if they're going to be one of the four teams or not. Uh, another previously undefeated team, Washington State, went down in stunning, not stunning, but spectacular fashion, getting killed by Cal, who's not very good. Um, and the Pac-12 is pretty much, uh, you know, everybody's saying is probably the fifth worst team uh, conference of the Power Five conferences. But let me ask you this. If USC beats Notre Dame this week, who's now ranked, and wins out, you're going to tell me USC doesn't deserve to be one of the four teams with Clemson having one loss, Ohio State has one loss. Let's just say for argument's sake, Alabama's going to go undefeated. Let's say Georgia loses in the SEC championship game to Alabama but goes undefeated through the regular season. And Clemson, let's say, doesn't lose another game, which is no guarantee, but let's just say they don't. And let's assume Penn State loses a game somewhere here along the way because they're finally going to start to actually play some real teams. So, and they've got Michigan this week. Let's, you know, you can tell me USC maybe doesn't deserve to be there over Clemson. I don't know. Again, USC's got to run the table. But if Washington State runs the table and they are only a one-loss team, and that's the only team USC lose, lost to, and it was on a, la- a, a late field goal. Also in a game, by the way, USC was down in the third-string tackles. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. That Clemson loss could have major implications down the road, but there's obviously a lot of football season left. But that was uh, a game of note. Talked about Washington State, my Georgia Bulldogs. Because by the way, I'm, I'm officially done with Maryland football. Done, done. They they showed up not at all at home. And look again, I don't think Northwestern is a bad program. I have a lot of respect for that program. I have a lot of respect for the coach Pat Fitzgerald. Um, Maryland is a disaster, just a disaster. I mean, of course we have a coach who's supposed to be noted for his defense. The Maryland defense is lousy. You know, and Borton Schlager didn't even play that badly. Now, Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator for the Maryland Terrapins, wants to insist on jamming a square peg in a round hole because he loves his precious zone read system, except Bordenschlager can't run. So, knock it off with the zone read crap. I mean, how many runs went for negative plays against Northwestern? But Maryland did have some success in the passing game, and this kid looks like he's a classic drop-back passer. He's going to be a quarterback the rest of the season if he can stay healthy, if you don't get him killed in your zone read nonsense. 
Oh, it was so frustrating to watch. So anyway, uh, my surrogate team, the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, rolled over Missouri. They look really good. I mean, man, would I love to see them beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. Got to get there first, but it's looking good. And then, you know what? Congrats to LSU. You know, they had a terrible home loss to Troy three weeks ago. And then, you know what? Also, congrats to their coach, Ed Ogeron, because he didn't run. He didn't hide. He didn't, you know, blame it on everybody else. He didn't get mad at the media. He didn't get mad at the fans, the student body. Now, he's a local guy. He's from, you know, if he's not from Baton Rouge, he's from like a town like right outside Baton Rouge. You know, he was a D-line coach there previously. He took over as an interim coach for USC. They loved him there. So, you know, I think he's probably uniquely qualified more than anybody else to get what LSU football is all about and what that fan base is all about. So he didn't attack the fans. He didn't pick a fight with the fans or the media down there. He faced the music. He did an interview with Reese Davis on uh, College Game Day and said, look, I get it. I understand people are mad, and they have every right to be. All I can tell you is we're going to keep working hard. We're going to try and get better. And they may not like to hear that, but that's all I can do. Didn't make excuses. Then they went out and beat Florida, who they hate, and Florida hates them. Remember, they had had a whole fight last year before the game. And then they were getting their – Rear ends kicked this week against Auburn, who everybody was all high on recently, and they came and they came back, came back and came back and they LSU. I mean, they're not going to national championship mix, but they went out here. They could have a nice season for themselves. So good for them and good for their coach, Coach O. Good job. All right, we'll take a short break again, and then we'll be back with MLB playoffs right after this. Here on a Monday edition of Jamal About Sports. That, of course, was the cure of Fascination Street. All right, so Major League Baseball. A lot has happened in the last week, obviously. Um, Cle- I, I correctly predicted that Cleveland, uh, the Yankees would force a Game 5. thought Cleveland would win the Game 5. They didn't. Um, kudos to the Yankees for coming back from a 2-0 deficit. I said I first guessed at the time I thought Francona panic moved by bringing... Um, Bauer back on three days rest for game four uh, That turned out to be the case Although he didn't pitch that badly Cleveland made three errors behind him That certainly didn't help um, And uh, that at-bat by Brett Gardner was was huge in, in game five That whatever it was, 13-14 pitch at-bat When he drove in those insurance runs Because Chapman, as we've seen Has a very slim margin for error Particularly after he's been used a lot And... Um, you know, that was just uh, an, that at bat reminded me of Paul O'Neill's at bat in game one of the World Series in 2000 against Armando Benitez in the Mets, where he kept fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch and ended up walking and ended up, you know, leading to the, to the winning run in game one of that uh, World Series. Um, so kudos to the Yankees. Uh, unfortunately, they played two games against the Astros uh, and lost both of them in sort of gut wrenching fashion. I mean, 
Talk about a game of inches. You know, you've had a home run barely escape the, the grasp of Aaron Judge. You had Altuve scoring on a play from first base on a double on on Saturday, uh, where the third base coach probably would have been fired had uh, Gary Sanchez held on to the ball. I mean, Altuve would have been out by 10 feet, and it made no sense to send him there because at worst the Astros would have had second and third or one out. In which case, the Yankees have two options. You either bring your infield in and your outfield in and hope for the best, right? You hope for a pop-up, a strikeout, or obviously a ball hit right at somebody or a shallow fly ball. Or you walk the guy, uh, the next batter, and hope set up the double play, but you're still going to have to bring your outfielders in. So the likelihood of the Astros scoring there are pretty good regardless. So um, it made no sense to send Altuve in that spot. None. And they got away with it because good throw by Judge, pretty good throw by Gregorius considering the fact that Correa was sliding in and did a pop-up slide into the bag, which is not illegal and it's not interference, but he did have to kind of throw around him. And so it was a bit of a short hop throw. I'm sorry, Gary Sanchez has got to come up with that ball. He had plenty of time. Altuve would have been out by a mile. So uh, a tough loss. By the way, Altuve showing the world how good he is. I mean, you know, gets that hit with one out, base hit off Chapman, and then Correa, who's also a stud, you know, drills the, you know, 100-mile-an-hour fastball to right center field for the double. Listen, I'll give the Yankees credit. They're, they're, they're going toe-to-toe with, it, with the Astros so far. I mean, these games have been super close. Uh, would not be shocked at all if the Yankees win tonight. In fact, I think the Yankees will win tonight. So you've got that series. We'll talk about the Cubs-Nationals first because the Nationals do what the Nationals do, and that's losing the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, listen, I understand that this wasn't necessarily, especially the last game, game five, was not 100. You can't put that on Dusty Baker, I guess. You know, he brought Max Scherzer in, uh, you know, who's a starter, out of the bullpen in the fifth inning of that game. Um, Scherzer looked great early, then looked like he didn't have it, and there were some errors. I mean, it was just an ugly, crazy game. He had to overturn on the pickoff at first base. I mean, there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened. Right? They called him safe originally, then they called him out on, upon replay because his, his foot went off the bag for a millisecond. By the way, another thing, another sport ruining their sport with, with replays, baseball. Um, but... The fact remains that Dusty Baker is now 0-10 in games where his team had a chance to eliminate the other team or in elimination games. 0-10. I understand Dusty Baker's had a fine career in the sport of baseball as both a player and a manager. He's won a lot of games as a manager. He's made the playoffs several times with several different teams as a manager, made a World Series. I get it. And he seems like an affable man, a nice man. And, and, and you know, But I think for that reason, the media gives him a huge pass. I mean, all the baseball guys I'm reading into, you know, it's not Dusty Baker's fault. Well, listen, if it's not his fault, I mean, 0-10. Dusty Baker is, again, he was a wonderful player. He's been a good regular season manager. Players like him. He's not a good tactician. He's just not. The record proves it. He's just not. I mean, a couple here or there could just be bad luck. 0-10, that's not bad luck. So it'll be interesting to see what the Nationals do because, I mean, their lineup is stacked. They have good – I mean, it's a good team. We talked about it all summer long. Their one weak spot was the bullpen. Looks like they've got that, you know, straightened out, or at least it's a lot better than it used to be. 
Um, so if they stay healthy, it's a good team. It's a really good team. It's a really good lineup. Two studs at the top of the rotation in Scherzer and, and Strasburg. You know, and then you, you got Gio as your third starter. still pretty good. I mean, they're a really good team. I get it. But this is now three out of the last five years they've lost with a chance to close it out at home. And four out of the last six years they've not. They made the playoffs and haven't been able to get out of the first round. So it'll be interesting to see if they decide to blow that up or reload and go with what they got again and just hope that, you know, a little, it is somehow luck of the draw. And now the Cubs play the Dodgers, and um, <clears throat> Cubs down 2-0. Uh, <laughs> former Met, Justin Turner, my guy, walk-off three-run homer last night uh, off John Lackey, which what he was doing in a, in, in a tie game in the ninth inning, I'd love to know. Um, and, you know, I know Joe Madden is the mad scientist. I get it. Um, and, by the way, couldn't happen to a better guy than John Lackey, one of the more unlikable players in the sport for the way he screams and yells at his own players anytime a guy makes an error behind him. Every close pitch is, 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 a, is a, a hissy fit with the home plate umpire. I mean, man, is he tough to take. So the Dodgers, who I said, was not worried about their, their sort of, uh, you know, the way they ebbed down the stretch have looked great. I mean, they dispatched the Diamondbacks in short order. They're up 2-0 on the Cubs. Listen, I would not hate a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. I wouldn't hate an Astros-Dodgers World Series. I have to say, I've, I've, I've come around on the Astros. That lineup is really good. And now that Verlander is there, I mean, geez, how could I forget to mention Verlander? Wow, we got a complete game, folks, out of a starting pitcher. When bullpenning... Is, is now a thing where, you know, pitcher pitches two innings and let's get him out of there and let's start getting the bullpen in every single playoff game. Wow. Imagine he threw over 100 pitches and pitched a complete game and gave up one run and was dominant. And good for A.J. Hinch to not manage by the book and bring in their closer, Ken Giles, because that's what you do. Verlander is a horse. That was a huge pickup by the Astros. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. As always, thanks for listening. Check me out on iTunes, Twitter, at Sport, no S. Also on Facebook. Enjoy the sports for the rest of the week. We'll be back next week with another show. And until then, peace out.